Welcome to The Vinyl Preacher, your weekly podcast where we talk about the Bible and make a playlist. Matt Cato, on sabbatical from St. Mark's Lutheran Church and Campus Ministry, Los Angeles, California. And I'm Zach Pierce, and I'm keeping an eye out, Matt. I can look out the window right here and keep an eye on my local record store, Harvest Records in Asheville, <laughs> North Carolina. Oh, I got I got updates, Zach. I got updates. Updates on how sabbatical is going. Is this another episode of How's Matt Sabbatical Going? Can I just say, did you listen to the latest episode of you I've talking not, to I've me? I'm not. I want to oh, savor it. It's an all timer. I was like, this is their next level here. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, what was I going to say? I can't even remember. Oh, Los Angeles. Uh, you've been. Um, you you've been a stand for uh, the television program This Fool for quite some time, and Indeed. Uh, finally I, I ran out of other <laughs> programs that we were watching. I was like, "All right, Welcome let's watch down. this one." You know what? It's really good. <laughs> it's, it's really, really good. good. <laughs> and and uh, I just you know when I say Los Angeles, I thought there's a scene in like episode two, season two, where they they have uh, I love L.A., but they're driving through South L.A. and it is. <laughs> It's my life. I mean, like, it's just, you know, the billboards, right. just everything is so true to life. It is just, uh, mm-hmm. it's wonderful. It's uh, it's excellent. It's a really good show. <laughs> uh, pencils are back up, Matt. The rider strike has ended. Uh, I believe SAG is still striking, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but one yeah. thing you can say about Hollywood, they know how to write about a little town called Los Angeles. <laughs> Los Angeles. Well, there are so many uh, Los Angeleses. Los mm. Los it's already a plural noun. It's already plural. Yeah. <laughs> Los uh, uh, and it's just it's a it's it's a particular slice of uh of Los Angeles that is not always depicted in quite this True. just really good, really good stuff. So even gets theological sometimes. Uh I, I particularly appreciate the episode about uh, the devil made me do it, which was just a pretty good <laughs> it's a pretty good uh pretty fantastic so uh the sabbatical update that's part of the sabbatical update uh what else did i do um i've been uh i've been taking some guitar lessons i noticed when we gathered you had your guitar out you're working out some songs oh, I did. uh mm-hmm. so i uh this was actually in my sabbatical application the lily grant says what would make your heart sing uh which is a really tough thing to answer uh uh, but I said, how about we sing literally? And I was like, you know what? I'm going to take uh, some guitar lessons so that I can finally learn how to sing and play at the same time. What, what better time to learn? Uh, so I have these individual lessons, uh, and you're going to be shocked. Last week we worked on, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. <laughs> it's a great thing about one-on-one lessons. You get to decide what you want to work yeah. on. She's just fantastic. Yeah. There's only like three chords in the entire song in the version that we used. So that's pretty fantastic. Uh, and then the other really fun thing about one-on-one lessons is, uh, so we did, we did uh, John Denver's Country Roads because it was the only song I could think of in the first lesson. Uh, and the, I learned the chords. And then I was like, at the end of this lesson, he's like, um, you have any questions or anything? I've got about five minutes left. I was like, you know what? Could you teach me how to do that little riff? at the beginning of country roads where he does like, I was like, that'd be a really cool way to just start the song. Even if then you go into simple chords, cause you know, I'm not as yeah. fancy as John Denver, but if you start the song that way, it's kind of a little, Oh yeah, yeah, we could do that. And of course, like he's a professional. So he showed me how to do it in two minutes, <laughs> which was pretty great. One-to-one lesson sack. It's great. I'm, I'm uh, mm. enjoying it. 
It's good stuff. And finally, I'm glad for finally in your heart. Uh, here's here's what else I did. Uh, I saw an ad on on Facebook from Amoeba Amoeba Music Amoeba Records, uh, which I actually have a license plate frame from Amoeba <laughs> I've used mm-hmm. uh, for the last ten years. Uh, and a uh, little little ad that Wilco was going to do an album signing in the store. Oh. Uh, and I was like, do I really want to drive up there? What else I got to do? <laughs> so what I else? Up, I, pre- I, <laughs> I pre-purchased the album and I went up there and I, uh, I stood in line. Uh, yeah. I talked to some other humans in the line who were much bigger fans than I was hey, look at you <laughs> talking to strangers, you know, I mean, I avoided it for most of the time. And then with about 15 <laughs> minutes left before the signing, I was like, okay, I think I could handle 15 minutes of small talk. So I'll, I can do that. Uh, and then, um, yeah, we moved through the line really quick. So I didn't get to say much uh, to them. It was the classic, uh, you know, book signing. What do you say to the author? Uh, but that was cool. I did a vinyl thing. I got a vinyl record and I got the vinyl record signed. Uh, and then I listened to a whole bunch of stuff about Wilco because I was like, it's oh, yeah, yeah, no, Wilco actually really good. Yeah, they have just, a lot yeah, of band, band members. There's like oh, seven wow. people at this table. I'm like, I didn't so know how many people were in Wilco. For Jeff Tweedy? <laughs> I know. All I know is Jeff Tweedy. They're like, and then afterwards, two different people came up to me as I was just soaking up the vibe uh, in Amoeba and said, could you, could you know who signed, signed which signature? I can't, I can't read their signatures. Could you help me figure out like which who is who? And I'm like, I don't even know the names of anybody in this band, <laughs> but Jeff Tweedy. And no, I can't. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't know who's who. <laughs> you got to listen to a comprehensive and encyclopedic compendium of all things. Welcome. I know the members of the band. That's important information. <laughs> Which one will be the first one that's coming on the podcast? Which one did you ask first? <laughs> will you come on my podcast? I did not. Uh, I didn't bring that up. The guy behind me had a band. Uh, and I'm pretty sure he was like trying to tell them, trying to invite them to the concert that they were performing the next night, which was respect, respect. But I didn't know. Gotta, I didn't do it. You got to hustle. But so there's my updates. That's what I got, Zach. I went to a vinyl record store. I got nice. signed by a band. By a band. That's impressive, Matt. Uh, I've got a couple <laughs> updates for you, Matt. Uh, number one, people listening to this podcast might think for the second week in a row that the episode did not come out in a timely fashion. <laughs> but that's not what happened here, Matt. What happened here is that, um, for me personally, my, my time has been slipping, uh, and I need to get that rectified. So I'm going to go down to, uh, gosh, what's the A&R? At the, the time makes it 30. Uh, I have not seen the first episode yet. but uh, watched the first episode last clearly... night. <laughs> It is Loki's. That's the primary thing. Loki's time is slipping and they've got to go down uh, to get that worked out. And that's the whole uh, thrust of it. So that's what's, that's what's happening in my life. I just got to go and uh, have a temporal oral extractor. Uh, I've got to prune myself and then have a friend in a, in a, a very ragged uh, space suit that protects you from time. Temporal energy uh, suck me back out of the timeline. Uh, so I'm gonna stay on top of the pop culture stuff, Matt, because I don't Good. have illness running through the family. Uh, <laughs> item number two as an update on uh, on uh, on my church shopping adventures. Mm. Um, we made our third attempt to go to a particular church that will remain unnamed because uh, we went first time. Did I tell you this? We talk about it on the podcast. What happened the first Maybe. time? Maybe. We 
um, uh, I got to hear my favorite thing that I know that I've said to people a lot, right? We went to the 11 o'clock service and we get there and it was nice. It was fine. Uh, we were the only kind of, again, I'm going to turn 40 here next month. Uh, only young people there. And then afterwards, the pastor was like, oh, you should come at 830. They were like a million kids, 17 kids at the 830 service, right? Like, you know, again, the pastor thing I've said a million times. Oh, it's usually way better than this. <laughs> but I said that. Yeah. And we were like, oh, okay. People go to the 830. And we were like, not super excited about it. We're not mourning uh, people and are kind of past the part of parenthood. We're like, kids up. I got to get up. No, I don't. There's a, a TV for that. And uh, anyway, uh, we tried to go again. And right before we went, we checked and it was uh, like camp Sunday and they had worship at the local camp. And we were like, well, obviously we're not going to go to that. <laughs> we're not insane people. And so uh, a few more weeks, uh, circumstances allowed us to go and uh, we all geared up. We talked about it Saturday night. All right, we got to get up 830. We got to get ready. We got to do all the things. We did all the things. Got ready. Uh, obviously we're late. You know, I mean, we're not going to get there on time, but we're only like five minutes late, like 835. Uh, it's one of those situations where the front door is in the, the back door is the front and the front and the back kind of thing. Mm. And so you got to walk into the door at the front of the sanctuary and walk to the back. So walk of shame, right? Like, because we're late and church has already started. Uh, <laughs> and I, I walk through the door and scan the room and immediately, Matt, there are zero children at this 830 <laughs> service. And we sit down and I'm just like, oh, we got got. We thought we were going to the kids' service. It's the same thing at 8.30. They go on and it's like World Communion Day or something. And uh, they were doing the 11 o'clock. They were, the big thing is they were doing worship with some of the other local churches. And everybody was going to that was the, was the thing. And that's why they were no, why it wasn't normal. Like it wasn't a normal Sunday. So maybe four times a charm. Who knows? Uh, my advice <laughs> to preachers these days is like, you know, just maybe do normal church. So like, you're still going back though. Bad. I'm impressed. You're committed enough that you're going to give it a second chance, hey, third chance. There are some people in my family who are committed to, to checking it out. And I support those members of my family. <sighs> Respect. Well, I hope they have a, a normal Sunday for you. But, uh, I haven't done any church shopping. I, I stay home and read the New York Times. <laughs> oh. Maybe I'll try that this week. <laughs> always there for you, isn't it? It's always there for you. You have all the news that's fit to print, which is not as great of a slogan as uh, democracy dies in darkness. I gotta say. It's not. It's not. Oh, well, I'm always glad to hear about the church shopping. Uh, Adventures. Do they have a children's sermon? Is that a thing? Uh, they do have a children's sermon, mm-hmm. which again, I'm interested in. Somebody should write a dissertation on the history of children's sermons. Right. Yeah. Uh, where did they come from? Like, when did they start? Like, what? Yeah. Yeah. I don't do them. Especially. It's not, it's not a. Not yeah. A you don't do the same. Mark <laughs> has not done children's sermons. I mean, I think I've definitely tried it a few times in my first few years because it was like, mm-hmm. all right, yeah, well, I'm going to give this a shot, you know? And, uh, but no, I haven't done it in a long time. Uh, yeah. We do a separate thing where we send the kids out for Sunday school in the midst of church, but I know not everybody likes, but uh, a majority of parents were lobbying me for a long time. And I finally broke down and was like, all right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, 
So yeah, I feel like you get in trouble in a lot of places if you axe the children's sermon. Probably not from actual parents, because <laughs> I don't. Yeah, <laughs> as a child, um, you know, I'm not a child. As a parent, feel like it's necessarily, uh, uh, you know, high educational stuff happening. Yeah. Matt, I messed it up, and I think I muted you. If you could unmute yourself, because I'm getting a phone call. There we go. Am I back? Maybe. Not yet. There we go. Yeah? Now we're back. (laughs) Okay. Chaos. Cool. We hope you enjoyed that, uh, listeners. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, you're probably saying something really insightful about children's sermons and the pedagogical value of them. I did, yeah. Yeah, that'll be in the Patreon-only episode, I think. That's right. Just got to start that Patreon. Oh, goodness. Well, uh, let's dive into these texts. Everybody's trying to write their sermon Friday night, waiting for our podcast to drop. So They are. They've been stuck all week. They got nothing. But here we come with the literal good news, man. Literal good news. It's October, which can only mean that we're going to get apocalyptic and violent. So uh, here's Isaiah. That's what everybody wants. You know, October, get your sweaters on, get your pumpkin spice, and let's talk about the end of the world. <laughs> yeah, that's really, it's not decorative gourd season. It's a destruction. Uh, it's apocalyptic season. <laughs> <laughs> which makes the McSweeney's mug particularly apt. Uh, yeah. Decorative gourd season, mother curse. <laughs> Oh, wow. Let me, Isaiah 5, 1 to 7, let me sing for my beloved, my love song. That's right. My love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it. He expected it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. And now inhabitants of Jerusalem and people of Judah judge between me and my vineyard. What more is there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? When I expected it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? And now I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge and it shall be devoured. I will break down its wall and it shall be trampled down. I will... Make it a waste. It shall not be pruned or hoed, and it shall be overgrown with briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the people of Judah are his pleasant planting. He expected justice, but saw bloodshed. Righteousness, but heard a cry. Word of God, word of life. So this is our text from Isaiah. It's going to tie in to the gospel um, in that vineyard imagery. Uh, but it seems, I I don't know, man. I don't know if uh, this farmer knows how uh, knows how farming works. I mean, it's like a moral, it's a moral fault here uh, that this didn't, this didn't happen. Um, clearly a metaphor, but it makes me think of uh, my own adventures in Arbery. Ar- arborist arbory arbory 
Arborvitalism? <laughs> tree care. Um, Zach, we got back from our travels this summer and our beloved Forest lemon tree. tree, our beloved lemon oh. tree in the backyard oh, no. had, uh, uh, it was like oozing sap. And I was like, that's weird. Pretty sure, pretty sure maple syrup doesn't come from uh, lemon trees. Maybe we can uh, a lemon tinge to it, you know? Yeah, you know, I was like busy. I didn't do much. And then it seems to have gotten worse. Uh, and then it's starting to keep me up at night because I'm like, oh, no. Uh, I did a little Googling. It looks like it's uh, something I can't pronounce. And then gamosis, uh, which is a fungus. And uh, the prognosis is not good. <laughs> so I went to my local uh, nursery this morning. I was like, you know, what? I'm just going to stop at that nursery by the girls' school. And I asked them for some advice. And uh, the, you know what the guy told me? He said, well, I'm not an arborist. You need. I was like, oh, okay. Can you recommend an arborist? You gotta get a tree no. guy. Yeah, you gotta get a tree guy. I was like, can you recommend one? No. If I recommend one and he's not good, then you're gonna come back to me and blame us. And I was like, okay, so I should just Google arborist? Yeah, yeah, just Google arborist. I was like, fine. I don't think that's how it normally works. <laughs> I was like, you're a nursery, isn't it? Plants? You can't tell me anything? Like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand. So, uh, I don't know. It just made me think of it, though, reading this text about the vineyard. Um, yeah. Any thoughts about the vineyard? You know, so obviously we're getting some setting up for the gospel, which is not what Isaiah would have been thinking when uh, Isaiah wrote this, by the way. So it probably has the ability to stand on its own. Um, but you're getting vineyard here. And vineyard, you know, I don't know. What, what What do you think people think of when they think of vineyards? Like, what's the evocative image these days? Because uh, it's one of these, you know, we're in the ancient Near East in these stories, uh, and oftentimes we get to do some translation. But when we find a familiar thing, like vineyards still exist, uh, people in your context might have been to vineyards before. Uh, can we just make that assumption that one to one on that? Like, or, or is there something missing here? A one, uh, yeah, yeah, I think you can make that is, assumption. Are they talking about Sonoma County? Is that <laughs> I assume it's Napa, Sonoma, it's just like Napa and Sonoma, hoity toity. Mm-hmm. Doobie Brothers, B.R. Cone. Um, that was the, the winery I went to. I went to B.R. Cone, which is uh, <laughs> owned by two of the Doobie Brothers. I don't know which Brothers of Doob it was, but uh, but there you go. Um, I think, you know, for ancient Near Eastern times, like you're going to flex on us with your, your lemon tree, Matt. Hmm. Which, uh, for me, in Western North Carolina, uh, that would be a mirage, a dream, an impossible thing have a lemon tree that just grew lemons right uh and that's uh so i think maybe that's a, a thing to lean into a bit that a vineyard is a pretty like garden of eden style like vision in the ancient mm. the ability to have a vineyard and to, to mm. grow grapes and, and and certainly you know they can do it so it's not nothing but they um you know it's not the most like fertile <laughs> landscape right like it's not it's literally not the fertile crescent right uh and so maybe that's a part of the of why the image is being used here um and it also is like really evocative to the garden of eden um so we get that that used in both both ways um but i did like your note about how it's a metaphor because how gardening works (laughs) i mean it's good that's what I could do, you know. Guys, lemon tree won't. I'm just gonna tear down the fence and let it be devoured. Mm-hmm. It's the lemon tree's fault. Um, which is the interesting part with like both of with with this kind of metaphor, 
which is a little different. It really focuses on the grapes. Why didn't the good grapes grow? Um, like it's not, well, that, that's actually a pretty good question, right? Like, I don't know why. Yeah. Uh, like it doesn't blame anybody. It's <coughs> interesting, right? Like it doesn't blame uh, a thief doesn't come in in the night. And so bad seed, right? To go back to that, that gospel uh, parable. Um, and I'm not sure it's the fault of whatever was planted and it, they don't blame the planter. Uh, it's... Uh, seems to be a bit less about whose fault it is and more like um, uh, uh, disappointment with with the way things are. Yeah. Um, it does feel... <laughs> There's this question uh, partway through. Uh, what more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it when I expected it to yield wild grapes? Why... When I expected it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? And then the uh, speaker does not answer that question. No. <laughs> you would think the speaker might do some. And this is pretty true to how I operate as well. Um, why didn't this work? Well, I got two options. I could try to figure out why it didn't work. Or I could just be really mad about it. And usually I'm just really mad about it, uh, which is what happens here. Uh, but presumably there's some reason why there were wild grapes instead of grapes. Yeah. Is this, does it say, thus says, is this the Lord speaking or is this, who's speaking? I don't know. I think that's important to figure out. Here we go. Isaiah 5, uh, NRSV, beep, bop, boop. Oh, I'm going to get NRSV UE, special victims unit, uh, song of the unfruitful vineyard. That's what it's called. And then, um, interesting. Who's talking? Chapter four doesn't say. Chapter three, this person's still in the monologue. The word that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. Um, so this is not explicitly Yahweh speaking. It is the prophet. It's what Amos saw, which is interesting. It mixes up your metaphor. Amos saw a song of the unfruitful vineyard uh, and then sings it for you. So, um, I think that like disorients it a little bit, right? It's not necessarily God speaking directly, um, but it's the prophecy of Amos. Because I'm, you know, I'm leaning towards some of the other having it be pulled by by some gospel parables about how you know uh, mustard seeds and 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 stuff, right? That like uh, maybe it's not about protecting the vineyard like that right which i think might help us a little bit with um understanding this parable of the vineyard owner which is going to be pretty freaking metal oh let's let's hear it well matt this is a girardian text so get ready <laughs> trip down girardian lane in Matthew, Jesus said, we know who's talking here, listen to another parable. You haven't heard enough. Uh, there was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, and dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. And then he leased it to tenants and went to another country. When the harvest had come, he sent his slaves to the tenants to collect their produce, his produce. But the tenants seized his slaves, beat one, killed another, and stoned another. And he sent more slaves more than the first time, and they were treated in the same way. And finally, he had sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him 
and get his inheritance. <laughs> and so they seized him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. Now when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? And they said to him, he will put those wretches to a miserable death and lease the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the produce at the harvest time. And Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scriptures the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, which maybe this should have been the Old Testament reading. This was the Lord's doing, and it is amazing in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that produces fruits of the kingdom. And the one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces and will crush anyone on whom it falls. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard these, this parable, they realized he was speaking about them. And they wanted to arrest him, but they feared the crowds again this week because they regarded him as a prophet. The good news of the Lord, Matt. Thanks be praise to your Christ. That's what it is. <laughs> there you go. Tell me how it's Girardian. Well, Matt, we've got some militarization going on here, right? Uh, there's a landowner who planted a vineyard, uh, which is a lovely, beautiful vision of the kingdom come, right? Uh, a call back and a call forward to the Garden of Eden. And the first thing they did is they put a fence around it and they made the sinners pay for it. Do those jokes still work in 2023? I don't know. Probably not. Uh, and then they dug a wine press in it, which you're going to need you know, to make the wine, and then built a watchtower. Uh, so immediately, interesting, this, this landowner is um, building a fortress for wine, a fortress for grapes, uh, which is kind of interesting uh, on its own. And part of what makes it a parable. Uh, then, right, the tenants keep killing everybody. Uh, who shows up, uh, and finally, uh, the landowner, third time, uh, rule of three, sends the son. Surely they will respect the son, but they see the son, and they know how this works, right? Uh, if there's no son uh, to claim the inheritance here, we're going to keep the vineyard for ourselves. We'll kill the son, and it'll be ours, because uh, the landowner's not going to show up, because guess what's going to happen when the landowner shows up? We're just going to kill him too, right? Like, And then it's ours. There's no there's no inheritor, no heirs. Uh, we get to keep everything if we just keep killing all these people. Uh, if we just keep scapegoating all of these goats, we'll only be sheep left, right? Uh, if we just keep getting rid of the thing that's messing it up for us, we will be made whole, is the thought there. Uh, and what makes this parable, I think, kind of tricky is it starts you off that road, but then the kind of the second half starts to confuse you a little bit because you get like the, the stone that the builders rejected is going to crush uh, all the things standing in its way. And it makes you th think that somehow like the, if you read God as the landowner or the vineyard owner here, the vineyard owner is not the violent one in this story. The vineyard owner uh, is allowing his uh, servants to be killed, his son to be killed, to have the vineyard stolen from him. Um, right. It's in the writing take here, right. Is that it's humans enacting this violence upon God. Uh, in God's vulnerability, in an attempt to make ourselves whole. Um, and that's, you know, my kind of question if it, when I first read through it was, what's who's where are the Pharisees at? Because they think they're, oh, they're talking about me. Who do they think they are in this story? <laughs> yeah. Right, is the is the question I'm, I'm, uh, I'm wondering, I, I initially wondered about, but I think it's pretty, 
they're the tenants, right? Um, but God seems to be complicit in this too, right? Which, well, not God, the, the vineyard owner is because the vineyard built a militaristic vineyard, right? Like, uh, which makes me question, which makes it a parable, right? Um, whether God is the vineyard owner, because you can read it another way where the the Pharisees and the chief priests set up a system, right? Like they do where the temple is surrounded by big walls and has fences and watchtowers. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting way to tackle these parables is to, to turn them and put different people in the different slots. Cause there's a, there's a way that we read it on the surface or maybe a way that we read it first. Uh, is it seem, it seems that way, or we've been conditioned to think of it that way, but if you rotate it, uh, yeah, it might, it might yield up something different. I feel like there's another character that's not in there, right? Like they're like, I feel like the, the parable is missing a character. Um, Which character is it missing? Uh, I mean, it's missing. No one's consuming anything out of this. Like, you don't get the consumer, which is, you know, my capitalistic uh, concern about most of the Bible. There aren't enough consumers. Um, I'd like a dimension on here about, like, what where the fruit of the vineyard goes, right? Like, who, hmm. how does that, like, I feel like there's a, that, that dimension isn't, it feels like ownership stuff, right? Um, and, um, as my good colleague, uh, former colleague Mary Kate Rajoui likes to say, uh, the Bible is uh, pretty adamantly against personal private, uh, personal property rights. <laughs> there, there are not not very many verses to support personal property rights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another reason not to read the text as if God is the landowner. Um, yeah. Well, if we were preaching on this text, do we have, uh, is there good news? <laughs> I think, you know, um, for me, the good news I'd be building on working towards here is something about a garden without walls, hmm. um, that, that, and I might preach against the garden of Eden a little bit. Um, you know, the garden of Eden is a pretty terrible setup way to start things right because it was never going to work hmm. um like it protecting the purity of the garden and stuff is not is not a achievable pursuit and i'm not sure it's the pursuit god wants us to to work after but that when the walls are down um when the the regular grapes and the wild grapes are all growing there. At least we've got grapes. Um, and maybe we can, we don't have to keep killing the people who come to collect some of the fruits of the vineyard. Yeah. Yeah. So you get to this abundance thing at the end of there. Take that wall down, which also shows up in Isaiah. You could run, you could run with that. I like it. Well Maybe that's the Isaiah reading that would be an interesting flip. It sounds like catastrophically bad news. Mm -hmm. And in some ways, sure, yeah. I mean, that's definitely what he's saying and going after. But maybe it's not so bad. Like, maybe there's a way to read it where it's not so... Yeah. It's not so bad that the, the garden, which evidently is just full of grapes, just not the grapes you were looking for. Um, yeah. Not the grapes you were looking for. I still haven't found the grapes I was looking for. 
I was thinking these aren't the droids you're looking for, but no, mm. either one works. So tear down the walls and just uh, let let nature take over. It's gonna be it's gonna be great. There you go. It's natural, baby. <laughs> what are we listening to this week? Well, Matt, I got some wine songs, uh, and I believe they're an excellent vintage this week. Because uh, <laughs> I've got for you Poison and Wine uh, from The Civil Wars, which is an excellent song for this week. Uh, you are both Poison and Wine. Um, I don't love you, but I always will. It hits all the paradoxical tensions and liminal stuff, Poison and Wine. You got to get both of them, wild grapes and regular grapes. You're going to get it all here. Uh, check it out. Oh, I like it. It's pretty good. Uh, then I'm going to go iron and wine for the band uh, and go naked as we came. We've been talking about some uh, Garden of Eden stuff here, and I think it's there. And finally, Matt, a song that I've been playing a lot of on my uh, Yamaha What is it? F310 for 1998. Um, uh, it's a song originally by the Handsome Family, and you should listen to that version first. Phoebe, not too long ago, covered it, but uh, a couple years before that, Andrew Bird covered it. It's called So Much Wine. It's a really good song, uh, and the chorus is um, uh, uh, Can't You See Butterfly? There's only so much wine that you can drink in this world, and it will never be enough to save you from the bottom of your glass. Uh, and I think maybe that song's playing in the background of the gospel here. Never going to be enough wine in your walled off vineyard to save you from the bottom of your vineyard. How wow. about you? Matt? What are you, what are you listening to as you prepare? I feel so bad. We, you got tickets. You had invited us to join you at the spear in Las Vegas. I was just like, I uh, couldn't, mm-hmm. tickets were more expensive than I wanted. I was going to have to figure out how I was going to do it. I don't get all the time, like, time off and get from Asheville to Las Vegas. And I was like, well, I just, sometimes you got to make boring adult choices. And my boring adult choices, I just can't make this work. And then, Matt, then they did the first show. And social media is full of these just epic epic pictures video of what's happening at the sphere with you two where you're headed in just a week a week from right now matt you're going to be in the sphere yeah yeah oh in uh (laughs) deep regret over here yeah um yeah i've been uh (laughs) i I joined all my youtube uh facebook groups i've been watching the photos come through it's gonna be good they're always good it's gonna be great uh, and there should be just some insane visuals, which is, you know, I'm always here for. Oof. So uh, looking, looking forward to it. Uh, um, but still got two tickets to your listeners. So if you're in Vegas, hey, <laughs> just let me know. <laughs> is this Patreon only or is it? <laughs> um, what am I listening to? Well, uh, inspired by my trip to see Wilco. Uh, sign my album. I didn't see them live, which would have been cool. Uh, but I did. I get to get them to sign this new album called Cousin. And there's a song called Evicted, which I think is what these tenants need to be uh, evicted from this land. But Evicted <laughs> uh, by Wilco. Check it out. 
uh it's a good album getting a little little uh it's got some some weird stuff in it which is always good um and then uh it's this these are texts with a watchtower in them so uh you gotta throw it all along the watchtower and which Mm -hmm. cover of it do you want how about just jimmy all along the watchtower let's just do jimmy yeah it's It's uh, pretty good it's really good you forget about yeah yeah it's good amazing and then uh another song that i've been working on with uh, my guitar teacher is crowded table by the high women which i'm sure you put Mm. on a playlist way too many times uh but it's it is a song made for the playlist yeah it's made for the playlist and uh and if it's our idea of tearing down those walls and maybe having a different way to be than uh, walled vineyards. Maybe we need crowded tables instead. So uh, those are my three songs to tie into this. Uh, And we'll just, we'll just throw U2's Atomic City on there for good measure uh, as where to go to Atomic City, which, which is basically a cover of Blondie's Call Me. I don't know if you (laughs) listen to this song, but if you listen to Call Me and listen to Call Me and then like just the first like 20 seconds and then put on Atomic City, it's the same song. (laughs) great i i just like and am over the guy who's like a tiktok guy or whatever who takes apart all the songs and shows you how like this is essentially just this song like <laughs> like some song you know is just like completely ripped off of other songs you know but he goes yeah. so deep into it like it, at first you're like wow this is really neat and you're like this is this makes things less enjoyable well there's only so many chords you know i mean there's gosh. only so much line <laughs> well it's been real Real vinyl. Ooh.